Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to Mike Claudio, who is an amazing guy, comes from the Nashville area as we're launching into a new team and a new uh, whole group of people and things happening with ISI down in Nashville. It's been an amazing blessing. He's been a huge part of that. Mike is a husband of 30 years, um, father to three children, um, and a very successful entrepreneur who started as an engineer and then launched his own firm, built it up to over 200 uh, full-time people and five to 600 uh, contingent workers in the engineering automotive space, and sold his company in 2017 and has been consulting and helping and, and getting into other entrepreneurial endeavors ever since then. And recently wrote an amazing book uh, to really take all of the things he's learned over the years and pack it into a book that is a great short read, uh, you know, hundred and some pages and really just all the things he's learned along the way. And it really breaks it down into how we can be amazing leaders of others. Uh, the book is called In Pursuit of Legacy, Three Keys to Enduring Leadership and touches on uh, the three pillars are managing ourselves well, managing others with purpose and intent, and inspiring others through service and humility. So good. We go into all this and a whole lot more in this episode. I hope you all enjoy. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for uh, jumping on the podcast with me this morning, and um, I'm excited to dive in. So thanks for thanks for carving out the time to be here today. Yeah, Nick, happy to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's been fun um, seeing us expand into Nashville, and I know you've been a huge part of you know launching, helping us launch our first retreat down there. And you came up to the Cleveland retreat and spoke. So, just you're you're starting to make an impact in ISI, and I'm excited to you know connect with you today and and share some of your wisdom with the audience. You know, that's really what ISI is all about: is us connecting uh, people who have great wisdom, who've been been a step or two or three ahead of us in your case, and can you know help us learn from some of those things so we don't, you know, make the same mistakes. And, um, that's where the iron sharpens iron comes in. So appreciate you being with us today. And, um, for those of us that don't know you kind of give us a little, you know, briefing on your background, the kind of the 5,000 foot view of Mike Claudio. Yeah, sure thing. Um, and just, just to, to, uh, follow up on your, your thoughts about ISI and, when when Al shared with me what he was getting involved in and in, in the mission of ISI, uh, and and I shared with the the team in Ohio, you know, I didn't get this kind of support until I was in my late forties uh, through through a, a CEO group, and so the thought of a team of people helping you navigate life who are in your shoes mm -hmm. uh, when you're in your twenties and thirties, just, uh, it just inspired and excited me to say that, that, that has real value that can be long lasting mm. and generational. So uh, really excited about what you guys are doing and, and what ISI is, is trying to accomplish. So ha happy to, to be engaged and uh, hope to be helpful there, but uh, as Absolutely. far as, as Mike Claudio, the history of Mike Claudio, so I'm a, uh, well, they call us a damn Yankee because I, I grew up in the North and moved South and stayed. Um, but, uh, I grew up in New York on Long Island, a little town in uh, Eastern Long Island. Um, got uh, three brothers and a sister. And then, uh, my parents divorced when I was pretty early, pretty young, uh, about nine, uh, my dad remarried and then had another daughter um, later on. So I ended up uh, being raised in a, in a single parent home for most of my teenage years. And then in, uh, in between my sophomore and junior year, uh, my mom decided to move south. So she was from Georgia. So uh, in the midst of... Um, Football practice, getting ready for a new season, of which I was the starting quarterback. Uh, we left town <laughs> and, oh and moved to Cleveland, Tennessee, which is in East Tennessee near Chattanooga. Um, so we we were uh, raised in, in a, a Christian home. I, my mom was Catholic uh, to start, and then converted converted to Christianity. So I was in in church quite a bit. Uh, as a young man, um, accepted Christ uh, early on. Um, and then we transitioned uh, to, to Tennessee. And uh, so a big shock for me, um, 
you know, the, the schedules were different. So in Tennessee, they'd already played three football games by the time I moved there. Hmm. So basically sat the bench my junior year, uh, ended up playing uh, quarterback my senior year. But uh, there was a, a strong coach, um, Donnie Yates, who was a part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, who showed me that you can be a passionate, compassionate believer and yet be a strong personality and a strong individual. Mm. And so, uh, you know, when I look back over that season and go, well, well, that was terrible. I didn't, I, <laughs> you know, I didn't enjoy that at all. Yeah, I look back and see how the hand of God was moving on things much broader than getting to play football in high school. Mm. Um, so I, uh, we lived in, in Cleveland, you know, through high school and ended up, ended up playing baseball in college, uh, at Tennessee tech university, which is about two hours okay. away. Um, continued to maintain, uh, involvement with the festival Christian athletes there. Um, and graduated in engineering, got an engineering degree, uh, from there. Um, moved back to Cleveland and then, uh, that's where I met my wife, Debbie. And, uh, we, we got engaged and married, uh, back in 1990 and celebrated, uh, 30 years, uh, yeah, this congratulations. year. That's yeah. A, so, that's um, quite a journey and, and just, uh, graced with a woman, uh, of faith that, um, you know, as proverb says, uh, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and, and Debbie is, is definitely that. So we have uh, three children. Um, my my oldest daughter is married and lives in Knoxville, and a younger daughter uh, who also lives in Knoxville. And then my son uh, is a junior, rising senior at uh, Lee University uh, in, in Cleveland, okay. Tennessee. So. Got them all staying in the state. Yeah, they're not right next door, but they're not too far away. So, yeah, it could be definitely could be further yep. spread out. And um, I've been, you know, enjoying I've enjoyed your book, uh, the recent one, you know, in pursuit of legacy. And I know you give an amazing, um, amazing business journey uh, from. So, you know, give us a little glimpse into that piece of your life. Certainly, yeah. So, uh, I got my engineering degree, electrical engineering, and. Um, my first job was there in Cleveland with Duracell Battery, which uh, was quite a shock because Duracell, their their strategy then was to take new hires and put them into supervisor roles. And so, uh, as I I asked the, the guys in in Cleveland, Ohio, I said, "Did any of you get supervisor training classes while you were in college?" And you know, nobody raised their hand <laughs> because they don't do that. <laughs> And so I, I went to work at Duracell at, at 20, 25 years old, and you know, half of the workforce had been working there for 20 years or more. So um, that was a real shocker, and, and, and part of my journey was I didn't do well and ended up getting fired from there um, nice. because of my lack of understanding of what it took to manage people. Um, hmm. Hard lesson, but again... Yeah, off, off to yeah, a great start. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was that was quite a shocker, you know, because I'd excelled at everything, right? I, I, everything I've been a part of, I've been blessed with talents and done good at, and or done well, and um, and then get to get fired just was was a real shocker. But hmm. um, I got a chance to uh, go to work for Nissan Motor Manufacturing, the the assembly plant here in south nashville and smyrna tennessee from there and spent five years in in engineering um at the nissan plant and then the mercedes-benz factory started up down in alabama just outside of tuscaloosa um in 1996 so after five years in nissan i left and went to work at the mercedes-benz plant um spent six and a half years uh, they're working in engineering and quality um, and then saw a need for some engineering support in the marketplace. And so in 2002, 
uh, I left my job, um, which didn't go very well when I left another, another story to share there, but, um, but I didn't have any contracts and I didn't have a big pile of money saved up. <laughs> um, it, yeah. it was one of those things where this is what you would write up to say, Hey, don't do it this way <laughs> <laughs> because of the stress and, and, and struggle. But, um, we, we were fortunate to land our first client about six weeks later and, so I, I started a company called EHD Technologies to provide contract engineering support to the automotive industry. So that was an interesting up and down journey, as any business owner will tell you. Some successes sure. and failures and hard lessons. Um, but uh, we were very blessed to, you know, land some good contracts and, and have some good talent be a part of our team. Um, so I was able to, to grow that business over a 15 year time period. We expanded, uh, after the, the downturn in 2008, uh, into some more quality control areas of the business. Uh, and then in 2012 added a, a staffing division for engineering talent. Um, Hmm. So, which that, that ties back to, to the book that we can, we can talk about. Sure. But I ended up um, selling the business in 2017 to a, a company that was in a lot of the businesses that, that we were running and uh, worked for them for two years, transitioning and consolidating the business units, um, which that was a, a, another uh, interesting transition from being a business owner to an employee. <laughs> Yeah, going back to yeah, it before, yeah. <laughs> before. Um, you know, which which requires you to do some things differently than that you had been for so long. But uh, it went well, and and everything transitioned well. And then I took a little bit of time off and started doing some consulting and focused on on getting the book published. Um, and then uh, in 2020, uh, one of the companies that I was doing some consulting with. Um, it, it seemed like I needed to be a part of this company, um, more than just on a consulting basis. So, so I ended up uh, becoming part of a, a wealth management company, which you go, well, well wait a minute, you know, how, how does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Engineering background, and now you're working for a wealth management firm. Um, but the, the, the beautiful story of it is, um, you know, the, the company was in transition, the, the CEO was in transition personally, and they needed some management strength as a part of the company. Um, mm -hmm. And they were also in a pivoting uh, to support business entity structure and doing more consulting style engagement with clients rather than just managing their assets. So sure. the, that's, that's begun in, in 2020. And now as we reach the end of the year, we're, you know, we're getting ready to hire a few folks to expand and, and begin to scale. Um, so it's been a, <laughs> it's been a water hose of information to learn a new industry. Um, but it's been exciting to see the the progression of, of the team and the company and, uh, exciting to see where we're headed for in, in 2021. Yeah. Well, and all the, all the things you've, you know, learned along the way, you know, from, from Duracell all the way up to now are really, you know, principles that really apply to any industry, whether it's engineering or wealth management, or, you know, for us, it's custom apparel, you know, and other things. So, you know, it's their principles. And I think, um, that's what's, you know, part of what, you know, kind of want to hone in here on, on the, on the conversation. And, um, just, I, I know you're extremely humble, but it's not like you had a, you know, 10 person engineering company, your, your company got up to pretty good size, right? When, when you it, along it the way there. Yeah. So I, when we, when we sold in 2017, uh, we had about 200, uh, full-time internal employees and we, we employed, you know, five to 600 contingent, uh, workers every week, depending on the customer demand. So. Wow. Yeah, operated in uh, in 16 states and Mexico and Canada, and on occasion we'd go to Europe or Asia for 
particular mm-hmm. projects. But yeah, no, it was a it was a pretty broad enterprise, and um, you know, it comes down to having great people in the right spots to be able to execute. And uh, we were blessed with with some great talent that wanted to be a part of what we were doing. So it was really, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I've, I've re- like I mentioned, I really enjoyed the book uh, in pursuit of legacy. And, you know, we talk about at ISI, we have our, our five F's, you know, faith, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. And, and you could probably talk about all of them, but for uh, the honed in conversation today, you know, really focusing on that faculty, that business experience, you know, these are, what we're trying to do really with ISI is uh, share that wisdom of others who have been, you know, in, in the battlefield, on the battlefield for many years and have learned the lessons and uh, to teach them to us at a younger age so we don't have to, you know, bang our heads against the wall as many times as um, those that came before us. Um, Even though sometimes banging our head against the wall is a great way to learn. Um, If we can avoid it, (laughs) all the better. And um, the book, um, you know, I guess, how'd you get the, I mean, you have, you've sure you've learned a lot over all these different, you know, career paths and moves and being an entrepreneur and working for these, you know, large and small companies. Um, you know, where'd you get, the, where'd you get the idea to write the book? Well, the, the, I'd say the premise of it, um, came out of necessity. Uh, we, we had in, in 2012 had launched, uh, our staffing division and, um, after a couple of years, we just were kind of stagnant. We'd grow a little bit and then we'd recede and then we'd grow a little bit and we'd recede. And so after, after three years or so, it was, it was a, you know, Hey, what's, what's going on here? What, what is the, the situation that we're missing? Right. Cause we had, we had smart people. We had the talented people. Yeah. Um, but, but something, something was missing. And so in, in prepping for, a, a leadership meeting, uh, with that group of leaders. Um, I, I just started to compare and contrast, you know, what, what was I seeing out of the, the teams that were being successful and what was I seeing out of the teams that weren't. And so the, the basis of that, that session that we walked through was, was highlighting some of those different behaviors. Right. Is, and, and so the, the behaviors that we see here are producing predictable success. The behaviors that mm-hmm. we see here are producing predictable failure. And so that, that was really the genesis of the idea um, came out of that, that meeting with, with the leadership staff. Yeah. Um, you know, that was probably 2015. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so you think about, okay, that was 2015. The book got published in 2019, no, 2020. <laughs> so the, uh, the transition from the idea to the book, um, really took, took some time to, to get resolved. Um, but that, that, uh, I, I knew I wanted to write a book and I had, I had started and stopped on, on several other topics that didn't really, um, progress past the idea phase. But, mm-hmm. but once I started diving into this, this book, um, I, I began to see that, okay, there's, there's, there's real value here. And, I'm not an academic. I don't come from academia, so it wasn't going to be a thesis um, type of, of book. It was going to be, hey, this is what I've experienced. You know, I've been been around the block mm-hmm. a couple times, and yeah, yeah. you know, as I opened in the book, none of it's rocket science, none of it's earth shattering. It's it's just reminding people of the truth of these behaviors and characteristics produce good results. And so the more we can do those and copy those and emulate those, the more predictable our success will be. Um, so, so that's really the, the, the genesis of the book came out of that necessity to, to help a team turn the page, turn the corner. Yeah. And when you have that many, you know, full-time people and that many contingent workers to get, 
consistent results, you know, you need to have consistent inputs, consistent behaviors. And, um, I could see how, you know, the principles that you kind of outline in the book could be super helpful, uh, to that consistent, you know, output that you were looking for. Right. And as you, you know, as you grow, the, the individual leader loses that touch point. And so it's gotta be transmitted mm -hmm. through that next layer of leadership. And so you've got to be able to create that consistency of, of process, a consistency of message that says, Hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. So, yeah. Which is, which is tough to do, you know, to not have that watered down effect as your company grows and you have more widespread leadership, you know, to, to keep that consistency. Yeah, is not absolutely. Easy. So you have three pillars in the book. Um, if you could walk, just walk us through, you know, what the three pillars are, and then maybe we could do a, a brief dive into to each of yeah, them. Yeah, certainly. So, so as I walk through these um, behaviors, and and there's a lot of crossover and connectivity and interaction between, but but basically, um, I, I I put it into the segments of how do you manage yourself, how do you manage other people, and then inspiring others. Um, because those are those are interconnect, interconnected and really how you manage yourself and how you manage others are are stepping stones to be able to inspire people it's it's like earning the credit earning the respect earning the opportunity to speak into people where they hear you right where they respect your your opinion they respect your your thoughts That is uh, super deep. Yeah. I mean, you can't, uh, it's not do as I say, it's, you know, do as right. I do. <laughs> right. So, so managing ourselves well, I mean, that's the first, the first pillar being, you know, we have to lead, you know, by example and we have to kind of embody ourselves. What are, what are some of the main, main things or, or, you know, big ones that come to mind there when it comes to managing ourselves well? Well, I, I opened the book with, with attitude and, you know, if I, if I look back over my, my life, um, there's, a, there's a lot of bad stuff that went on, bad stuff that happened, you yeah. know, and, and everybody has a story of what didn't go right in their life. And we can choose to focus on the bad, or we can choose to accept the bad that it happened and focus on the good. Right. And, yeah. and the beauty of it is, is we get to choose. We don't get to choose the circumstances and you know, that that's not up to us. Some of it we have impact over, but you know, rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? There's rainy days that we all have to go through. But to me, attitude is one of those things that gives us a chance to reflect the grace that Christ has given us. When we weren't, when we weren't a ray of sunshine, he accepted us anyway. And so this attitude piece is one of those strong connectors that I think gives us the opportunity and the platform to, to share the love of Christ by how we conduct ourselves. And, and attitude is one of those ways where you stand out. When, when things are not going great, people can't really tell that things aren't going great. Mm. It's not that you hide them and don't deal with them. Um, but, but we choose an attitude of, of, of joy independent of our circumstances. That's yeah. Powerful. Um, so, so that's, you know, one of the key drivers there that, that I think is important. Um, the, the other one is, is this managing of ourselves, this policing of ourselves, right. And, and as, you know, business owners and entrepreneurs, um, we, we like to take the position of, Hey, these rules are for you, but not for me. Um, and, and what we, we miss in that is people are always watching us, right? I, I think I've, I say in the book, we're always on stage and mm -hmm. whether we want to be or not, we're always on stage. And, and so, you know, adhering to the guidelines, like you said, the, the do it, do as I say and do as I do needs to be uh, in continuity. It, it can't be do as I say, but don't watch what I do. 
And so this, this concept of managing ourselves to the standards that we set for everybody else, we need to uphold just as well so that there's, there's hmm. no room for what you don't. So why should I? Um, and hmm. I think there's, there's a significant amount of strength and power that leaders can come to the table with if they're, if they're managing themselves in that manner. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Great reminder. You know, it's interesting of all the stuff that you learned, you know, and to distill, you know, that down to the starting point about attitude and managing ourselves well, uh, attitude and, you know, discipline and, and walk in the talk. So I love that. And then, um, so once we kind of get ourselves in order, so to speak, then, you know, that allows us to manage others and you, and you say, you know, manage others with purpose and intent. Yeah. So this has been a real journey. Um, and and as a young man, obviously we're, we're striving and driving for our, for our own careers and seldom do we stop long enough to look at this group of people that look to us for, for guidance and, and leadership in a manner that's, um, not that's not inward looking right we we tend to look at people and go well what can they do for me on my path to where Mm -hmm. i'm going um and what i found out over time is when we look at people and begin to engage them on their path on where where they're going and what they want to do and we begin to manage people with that purpose is to help them get where they want to go. Um, the the things that happen from that are are pretty astounding, right? When we when we talk about characteristics of loyalty and commitment, um, desire to perform those those are all emotions, right? Those aren't those aren't mm-hmm. tasks. Those are emotions. And so managing people with the purpose and intent to connect to those emotional drivers isn't something that we tend to do well. We, we tend to manage tasks well, uh, manage, you know, A, B, and C that have to get done. But in order for us to reach that pinnacle of high-performing teams, we've got to connect with people on that emotional level. And so, you know, when I when I think about in this sex section of managing others, um, you know, communication obviously is key. You know, people can't perform to a high level if they don't know what's expected. They don't know what we're doing. They don't know how we're doing it, and they don't know why we're doing it. So, in the beginning, if we can answer those three questions, what, how, and why, well, people then can then embrace it. So, so c- communication is, is really a key component to effective managing. When, when people are ambiguous about what they're supposed to do and the expectations, um, then you have a lot of variation. You got a lot of uh, variability as to the performance. Um, the other two that, that I'll, I'll, I'll connect here are, are praise uh, and care. Um, praise being recognizing people for their contribution and also recognizing their, their emotional input to delivering excellence. Um, and that's not everybody, right? Not, not everybody operates in that manner. So the people that do operate in that manner, we need to recognize that and say, Hey, I, I saw where, you know, you did X, Y, and Z that was above and beyond, right? When, yeah. uh, or, or that, you know what, hey, just recognizing that you haven't missed, you haven't missed a day, you haven't been out a day in six months this year <laughs> when there was plenty of opportunity, right? Just taking a moment to recognize the, the effort that people have put in, the emotional engagement that they've put into being a part of your team uh, is is a powerful tool that costs you no money. <laughs> oh, so yeah. you, when you think of the context of hey, what's what's the cost benefit of of these different programs? The power of praise is one of those that's the most cost effective because yeah, we're always like, <laughs> yeah, but it's free. it's free. It's free. It's free. 
Yeah, I, I'm bad at this. I uh, I am. I'm laughing as I, as you're talking. About it. I was reading, you know, reading the book, and you know, you have it in the end of each, which I like at the end of each chapter. The kind of uh, I guess check yourself temperature level. Is it level one through level five? And you know, at at one end of the spectrum, you know, you're really not giving any praise, and you know, at the other end, you're you're doing great and really recognizing and, and on the lookout for you know, giving genuine, appreci- you know, sincere praise, and. Um, yeah, I don't know why. It's one of those things. It's I think it's maybe just a habit or a muscle that you 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 just flex and you you know, have to be disciplined at to to do it, and and then therefore then you create a culture of praise in your organization. Yeah, absolutely. And as as we talked about, you know, when your team starts to grow and it's not you um, with the the team members on a, on a daily or weekly basis, somebody else has to do that, and so you have to mm-hmm. model that with the leaders. And then push the leaders to replicate it, uh, so so right. that it's getting to the, the team that's actually going to benefit the most from it. So mm. powerful, yep. yeah. All right, and then the uh, the last pillar here: um, inspiring others through service and humility. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, yeah, that's the most joyful piece of of. I think being a, a business owner um, is watching watching people accomplish things, especially when they didn't believe they could do it. And and, and when yeah. you've had the opportunity and and the chance to be a part of someone's journey, and you've been in their corner and you've been promoting and and pushing them to accomplish, and they do. Um, I mean, as a parent, you know, you have, you have a comparable joy of, you know, your child taking their first few steps or, or learning how to, to ride the bike or um, passing their driver's permit. You have those mm-hmm. moments in your, in your family. And, and in work, it's, it's those moments where a team member takes on a new leadership role or, or gets a degree or gets a certification um, or, or the other one that's hard to believe is, is they actually leave your company and do something that they've been wanting to do. Um, mm. in, in our, in our sessions with ISI, we, we talk about this season that people are going to work for us. And when, when we, we think about others first, if I'm helping people get where they want to go, then they're going to give me their best effort while they're with me. And, and right. one of the questions I asked everybody is, you know, how long have you been at your current job? You know, some people as well, it's my first year or this is three years or five years or seven. And the reality is people's right now, the job change rate is about three and a half year average. So when we look at the context of, all right, if people are transitioning, and obviously if we're creating a great organization, that probably goes up, but we know it's temporal. They're not going to be with us forever. So right. how do we maximize the effort and input that we get from them while they work with us? And the simple answer is you're helping them get where they want to go, whether that's in their education, in their career, that's in their personal life. Maybe somebody is wanting to write a book, totally unrelated with what they do for your company. Yeah. But if you come alongside them, knowing that they want to write a book and you help them journey that path until they can get that book published, well, they, they feel that. That's a, that's a support that drives their motivation to do their best effort for you. Yeah. Right. So, so when I when I talk about inspiring others um, through service and humility, one is is this recognizing their value. That the humility piece of it is, I got where I am because of other people doing their best effort. Now, I, I had to yeah. do my best effort too, but if it was just me doing my best effort, I would never get where I've been unless other people did that mm. as well. So, so the humility piece of it is recognizing the value and the input of what people are doing. Yeah. How do you, you know, I just wanted to jump in there cause I think it's, I, I totally agree. And it's counterculture. It's not, you know, 
hey, what's in it for me as the employer or the boss? You know, what can you do for me? Um, almost like a servant mentality, but uh, where someone's serving you, but you serving them. How can you serve them? And how have you balanced that when you know that, hey, someone's path and what they want to do is not, you know, the, the ladder that they want to climb is not in your company or in your team. And how do you, how do you balance that um, dichotomy between, you know, you want to help pursue that, help them pursue their path and get exactly what they want out of, out of their life and what they're after their aspirations while also knowing that maybe it's not um, like how much do you pour into that person if their ladder is, is leaning up a different building? Yeah, no, it's a great question and, and, and a difficult one. And, you know, I, honestly, I can't say that I've had dozens of situations where somebody said they're going to do something different. Um, you know, hmm. obviously you want, you, you want to know that, Hey, they're not going to go start a competing firm, <laughs> right? Ho ho hopefully yeah. that's, that's not the, <laughs> not the, the, the objective that they're going to tell you about anyway. Um, but I, I, I think what you have to realize is you can either be a part of where they're going or you can be left in the dark, right? And if you're a part of where they're going and you know that where they're going is out of your company, well, that, that gives you the opportunity to prepare for it rather than to have to react to, Hey, remember I told you I was going to open a restaurant. Well, I did. And today's my last day. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, at least you could be in the in the loop and on yeah, the journey. Yeah. So them. now, now, will, will that impact what you do as far as investing in them? Well, of course it will, right? You're you're not going to continue sure. to pour into them, uh, um, invest in their growth in your your industry, but it doesn't mean you know you you push them to the side and because mm -hmm. they're still able to bring value. And if you embrace them during this season, you're going to get even more value. Right. Because because of what yeah. you've said about their dream and vision for where they want to go. Um, so there, there's a balance there. there. Absolutely. There's a balance. Um, and not everybody's going to be open to, to sharing with you. It, it, that's just a reality. Yeah. You know, there there's a lot of, of, sure. of risk associated with that. Um, but I also know that, you know, people get halfway down the path and go, you know what? I really don't want to do that. <laughs> and so if, if you're engaged with them through that process and they reach that conclusion, well, you haven't lost anything. You've just built, you've built right. up loyalty and commitment, um, with that individual. Yeah. And, you know, and I, we've had in my, in our company, we've had a lot of people who are still with us. A lot of people who have, you know, moved on and, um, the ones I've gotten fortunate enough to, you know, be their direct leader, direct report. Um, this has been, the style I've tried to adopt and, you know, what's been interesting and, and re really rewarding is, that, you know, the relationships with these people are between me and them. It wasn't based on the employer employee relationship. So we've you know, continued these relationships, you know, beyond their, their time in our, our organization and, you know, kind of approach them more as um, just as, as a human, as opposed to just being, you know, that boss mentality, which is, you know, and hopefully those friendships and relationships last mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, well, so, all right. So the three pillars, managing ourselves well, managing others with purpose and intent, and then inspiring others through service and humility. And really kind of written from a faith perspective, which is, you know, everything we do at SI, um, you know, you talked about, you know, if we do this well, it's really intended to, you know, lead people to a relationship with Jesus. So, um, just touch on that for a, for a moment. Yeah, I, I think what what I wanted to accomplish in the book, and and for those that haven't had a chance to read it yet, um, so the the leadership content is in the front of the book. So if you picked up the book and read through the first uh, hundred pages or so, you would get good content on on just characteristics of leadership. But I also wanted to get in the hands of people who may be just looking for leadership content, the truth behind it, which is we have the example of Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate leader. 
um, who, who demonstrated all of these characteristics, who, who through his service and humility, uh, inspired a group of misfits to change the world, right? 12 guys that we probably wouldn't hire right now if we got their resumes <laughs> and said, hey, I want to build a dynamic team around. Um, that wouldn't be the group we hire. But when we look at, at who Jesus picked to, to do that, um, he, he poured into them, right? He managed them well. When they, when they didn't follow the rules, he called them out on it, right? He followed the rules himself so that he was a good example. And then he inspired them through his humility, knowing that he had the authority and power to do things, and he chose not to, so that they would see the value uh, of his humility. Um, and so in the back segment of the book, we tie the life of Christ into all of these behaviors and characteristics to say this isn't just a good uh, life thing to do, but there's a spiritual uh, and eternal impact that you can have by using the example of Christ in how you go about doing these things. And, and when you get an opportunity and people recognize your behaviors, you get the chance to open the door and say, well, this is why. This is my why. This is why I do this this way. In, in, in my own pursuit of righteousness, these are the things that I try to follow. And that's because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's yeah. awesome. Great job with the book. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I look forward to gifting it to others and, <clears throat> and sharing it with people from, from, you know, from the organizations that I'm involved in, our company. And it's just a great... I just really enjoyed it. So thanks for that gift and putting that out in the world. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of just some, as we kind of close down here, there's, you know, some questions that we ask everybody, um, and switching gears from the book, but just, you know, for you personally, um, got a lot, a lot of things going and a lot of awesome family and books and business, but for you through all that, what, what brings you the most joy? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Obviously, my, my wife, Debbie, of 30 years, um, when we're able to go and experience life together and, and travel somewhere, I, I'd say is is probably the, the thing that brings me the most joy uh, at this time. No grandkids yet, which I'm sure that will uh, <laughs> open up a whole new, a new arena. We just have grand puppies right now. So, uh there you go. Well, <laughs> that's the, the precursor, the precursor. to yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's you know we're we're in a season of life where we're we're getting a chance to travel and and go experience that's, some of the rest of the world. Um, yeah, that's great. so I, that's what I really enjoy. Yeah, that's amazing. Great. So you know, top uh, book recommendations. Is there one that you've gifted to other people? You know, outside of your own, uh, or maybe something you're reading now that's making an impact. Yeah, I, I'll tell you one that that I think is particularly uh, powerful. It, it's the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, um, and, and I think it's it's timely. And, and basically, what it talks about is our society is always on on go right we're just mm, we're just always yeah. moving to the next thing um you know i've got three kids in their 20s and an observation of this generation is something is always on right they're always on their phone or there's always music on or the tv's on or the computer's on they're always on and when mm -hmm. when we look at what's important there's times where we need to be off and just silent and be able to hear our spirit speak to us and hear hear yeah. the the spirit you know condemn us and convict us for uh, not condemn us but convict us for you know the things that that that's how god speaks to us and so th this book is just a, a reminder of slowing down and shutting off and, and making sure you build into your schedule zero time <laughs> that mm. something's <laughs> not on even even praise and worship music just turn it off 
you know? Yeah. So just be quiet. It's difficult. So that's one. And then um, another one by Stephen Scott, the richest man who ever lived. Um, it's just a book that, that goes through the book of Proverbs and some of the, the, the teachings of Solomon's that, you know, still today, I, and I've probably been doing this for, you know, 25 years is, is trying to spend time in Proverbs every day. And, and just the, the nuggets of truth that come out of that, even, you know, you read it again and again every month. Um, but you're just going through different things at different times and the words of wisdom are, are able to, to touch and, and penetrate. Um, and, and speak, yeah, speak, speak differently. differently to you. So that's great. Great recommendations. I haven't heard of either of those. Um, but I love both oh. of them. Um, so thank you for the recommendations. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, for you, do you have a, a life verse or one right now that's really, Kind of front and center. Yeah, no, I do. Matthew six thirty three uh, has has been my my life verse, which is you know seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And hmm. so it, it's 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 a reminder that God has us in His hand, right? And and you know as I talked about in the open, when I think back about what I've been through, I'd never picked that. But when I look back now and go, okay, well, that was, I did that. So I was ready for that. And then that happened. So I was ready for that. And when you you look back, you can see how the hand of God was orchestrating for a different season in life. And so, yeah, yeah, Matthew 633 is just a reminder that, hey, I got this and all this other stuff. I got that too. I love that's a great reminder. Everybody, I think, kind of needs that right mm-hmm. now for sure. Yeah, that is awesome. Why well, know you got a lot going on, you know, between the book and you know the new role, the new business, um, and some other things you're doing too. But what's um, if people want to get connected to you and 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 the things that you're up to? What would be a recommendation? Well, they can uh, they can go on the site in pursuit of and, and order okay. order the book there, um, or they can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Michael Claudio okay. uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, those that that's probably the best way to to connect. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we'll put links to uh, the different sites um, in the show notes here too on the website on the ISI Life website. Great. Well, Michael, I appreciate you being with uh, being with me today, and and also being with us at the retreats and helping us, you know, take ISI to the next level. You know, you bring so much wisdom and knowledge, um, from so many areas, but, you know, specifically, um, you know, management and faculty and how to, you know, lead careers and of significance and to do it in a, in a godly fashion. So thank you for that gift. And, uh, I'm excited to get to know you more. I know we haven't, you know, you and I haven't personally connected a ton, uh, just because of all the COVID craziness, but I do look forward to building a relationship and, and learning from you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. And would you uh, mind closing us yeah, in a word? Certainly, prayer? be happy to. Father, we're uh, we're thankful for this time, this season that you've called us to be a part of. Uh, even though there's uncertainty and fear and unknowns, um, we, we know that you have this. That that you're not surprised about where we are, and that we need to just rest in you and trust. That, that you are marching our steps and guiding our paths. Uh, Father, we just uh, pray that the, the listeners to this this podcast would be open to hear your voice, would take time to stop and, and listen. And Father, I just pray for Iron Sharpens Iron, that, that this, this ministry would be all that you've called it to be, that you'd bring the right people in place, that you'd, you'd begin to speak into the young men and women who need to be a part of this, Lord, that you'd be calling them now that when the opportunity comes across that they go, okay, that's what I've been looking for. Thank you, Lord. Uh, just pray for Nick and his team, uh, all those at ISI and um, his businesses, Lord, that you just continue to give them wisdom and favor. Lord, we just uh, thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
What an amazing conversation with Mike. So much knowledge, so much wisdom. I have so many things that I took away from our call, and I'm, I'm excited to put these things into practice today, you know, right now. Um, some of the things that really stood out to me that I thought were, were highlights from our conversation were, as he got into uh, the book and the three pillars, the first one being managing ourselves well, just our attitude. You know, they say, if, if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, change your attitude about it. I love that kind of look in the mirror, that gut check. Um, and then moving to managing others with purpose and intent as pillar number two, getting on the path with people, um, helping really understand that they're not there for you, you're there for them. And while that season of their life allows you to be with them, allows you to gain that loyalty and commitment, is just a very different mindset than most of us have, or most of us have maybe taught about leadership and really just thinking about how can I help this person get to where they want to go? And you know what that creates is just trust and loyalty and a strong high performing team uh, for the season that they're with you. So I love that, love that piece. And, um, and then moving to just some of his, um, you know, his closing comments, the books that he recommended got me super excited to go check out, uh, especially the one about the ruthless elimination of hurry uh, that we're always on go and we need a little time off, you know, just building some, some pauses into the day. I mentioned this uh, previously, but there's, a, there's an app uh, from John Eldridge, Wild at Heart, called Just Pause, and you can set an intentional pause in, in your uh, in your day, you know, I have one set at 10 and two, just 30 seconds, just to zoom out and really just hit the pause button, um, you know, throughout the day. So super, super impactful stuff. Love being with Mike. Uh, he's he's a huge player for us and helping us grow ISI and really understand how we can put faith at the center of what we do and lead careers um, of impact and of significance. So for the episode, you can check this out. And we have tons of great resources on the website at theisilife.com. You can look back on all of the former episodes if there's something in particular that you're looking for. There's also some great resources as we continue to build out the five Fs, the faith, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. We're starting to put new resources, new assessments, new things, uh, digital tools that you can check out uh, all for free just on the website to help you bolster up, you know, whichever of those Fs is... um, maybe an area of weakness for you right now. So check that out. We'll continue to add to that, you know, pretty much every day uh, throughout the week where we're adding new, new resources and things that can help you sharpen your saw. So thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, stay sharp, everybody.